You're listening to the SciGig Central Podcast, episode number five. When was the last time that you looked at your numbers? I mean, really looked at them. And I'm not talking about just a quick balance check on your banking app. I'm talking about spending an afternoon with a cup of coffee and some Excel spreadsheets, Google Sheets, QuickBooks, P&L statements all up in that coffee shop. Sounds thrilling, right? Well, guess what? There's more. Do you know how much your side gig generated last month, last week, last year? What are your expenses? What are your profits? What are your deductions? If any of these questions strike fear into your very soul and makes you want to binge eat a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, you're going to want to listen to today's episode all about, you guessed it, money. Today, we're getting a much-needed financial tune-up from financial coach and wealth expert, Rocky Lavani. I'm so thankful that he's here on the show today, delivering some financial truth bombs that will truly help you finish 2019 strong and profitable. Rocky Lavani is a wealth coach, financial planner, and self-proclaimed numbers nerd. He has an MBA, a financial consulting business, and he's also the creator of The Richer Soul Life Beyond Money podcast. He's the quintessential millionaire next door and started out with humble beginnings when his family came to the U.S. when he was just two years old and they started building their family's American dream. His views on financial success are fascinating and I can't wait to share them with you. In today's episode, Rocky discusses a few important elements of true financial success as they relate to managing your side gig. So today I talked to Rocky about how to intentionally manage your time and money, his number one piece of advice for independent contractors and how to leap with a parachute when managing your side gig. You're listening to the Side Gig Central podcast, where we truly believe that your side gig has the power to change your life. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, and I'm a small business owner and side gig hustler just like you. I'm so excited to help you redefine what success looks like in today's gig economy. Listen in on honest conversations that I have with the experts and from hardworking side gig entrepreneurs just like you who are killing it with their side hustle. Learn the best strategies, tips, and tricks that have helped others pave their own way and craft their dream side gig. So if you're ready to get started, up your game and do the work, you're definitely in the right place. Let's get started. All right. So Rocky, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm so happy you're here to share everything you know about money management. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rocky. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm always thrilled to have another East Coaster, especially from PA, on the line. You're from you're from Harrisburg, am I right? That is correct. Perfect. So I've got, you know, for people from PA or Philadelphia, I've got Rocky from PA on the line. And um, this, this is amazing. I need, like, Eye of the Tiger, like, Rocky theme music in the background. But uh, I'm sure you get that all the time, though. <laughs> I do. I do. Unfortunately, I think it's all copyrighted, so we'll uh, probably get in trouble. I know. We will get in trouble, so maybe I... Maybe Taylor can sing. Dun, 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 dun. No, he <laughs> So, Rocky, I want to start off by um, 
kind of getting a little bit more into your background because I absolutely love your origin story and I would love for you to share it with our listeners because I think it really kind of sets the tone, builds the foundation of our conversation today about money. So can you kind of walk me through what it was like for you growing up and how this ultimately shaped your attitude towards uh, money and wealth? Absolutely. I'm an immigrant to the United States. I came here when I was two. And just to kind of give you a time frame, it was the late 60s. My parents came from India and they were a little bit older in life. I think they were around 40 at the time. And so they were essentially starting over in the United States. And it was their second big move in life. And I came with them. And when we got here, as always, you know, you start at the bottom of the economic rung and you have to build your way back up. One of the main reasons for that is the currency in India wasn't transferable to the United States. So they were only allowed to bring $25 with them. Wow. Luckily, they both had uh, relatives living in the United States. So that helped them to get started. And at the same time, a lot of their friends had been coming over to the U.S. So they had kind of built that support group around them. And then I just remember as I was growing up, money conversations were just normal within our household and within the friend group. And I just saw that within a very short period of time, people progressed up the economic ladder rather quickly. So we kind of started off in a one bedroom in the not so nice part of town. And I think within 10 years, people were living in very nice houses, making lots of money and had kind of rebuilt their life in the United States. And so it was just interesting to have that perspective and to know that you have the ability to do anything that you want. I love that too, because we're talking about mindset today as well. And I can imagine just being a kid, uh, you were extremely driven, right? You had that, you know, the great role models of your, your parents, like just living the dream, making it happen. And I I'm pretty sure you've encountered this with your work in terms of your coaching clients or maybe just random people on the internet asking you for advice, but have you found just generally speaking, people either fall into one of two buckets. The first bucket being maybe a negative mindset about money, like it's this elusive thing that I'm completely terrible at managing it, I can never get ahead of it, or they fall into the bucket of an abundance mindset or a positive view of money. Like I keep chipping away at my work, money will just flow to me naturally. So kind of walk me through why you think there are these two drastically different points of view when it comes to money. Like, do you think it has to do with the environment in which you're, you grew up in, uh, your role models, or is, is there something more to it? So I think, there are two main money mindsets that you talk about, right? The abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. Mm. But within that, there are a lot of money scripts out there within those two. And each of them has their advantages and disadvantages. So there are times that having a scarcity mindset can be an advantage. Um, and there are times where having an abundance mindset can be a disadvantage. And so I think each has its own place. Most of our money mindsets in these scripts that we kind of encounter in life are created between the ages of five and 13. So as a child, we're kind of creating our money views. And a lot of them have to do with how our parents talk to us about money, 
other family members talk to us about money or some sort of an experience that just kind of gets locked in as we're a child. And I think the key is to understand where you are in your money scripts and how you view money and how you handle it. And then also to make sure that those scripts that were formed when you were a kid are serving you properly as an adult, because sometimes they may not be. So a lot of it is just awareness, understanding yourself, and then saying, is the way I look at money serving me or is it holding me back? So if I fall into that second category and I say, "Uh, I think my money mindset's maybe holding me back, what would your suggestion be to maybe flip the script a little bit and kind of change that, that pathway? So I think the first thing is awareness, understanding that, hey, there is something here holding me back. Do you know, is there something that happened in your past or do you know why you have that feeling towards money? You know, we're, we're heading into the last 90 days of 2019, which seems insane to me because this year just absolutely flew by. But yeah, it's kind of like at the end of the year, people start to maybe reevaluate what's going on. And um, maybe is it time to go a different path? Um, so which is which is what I absolutely love to talk about. But I want to kind of rein it back in a little bit for for the audience, um, because Yes, this is a show about side gigs, and uh, most of our our listeners out there they they have a nine to five job, uh, but they also have a side hustle. They have a side gig, and I include myself in this category actually. So, um, I want to talk about uh, kind of financial literacy and get get your point of view on um, how that plays into this uh, to our audience to our audience of side gig entrepreneurs. So there's there's kind of a, a bunch of different uh, buckets. I don't want to say buckets again, but it's a, a lot of different categories of, of people we're talking about. So the first is plug and play side gigs. Like I'm plugging myself into an already ready-made business model. I'm leveraging technology to do most of the heavy lifting, very low barrier to entry. And on the other side of the spectrum, we have listeners that maybe have a lot of sweat equi- equity invested in their side gig or they've built a website or they're building a blog, they have an Etsy store. So we kind of have like a a wide range of listeners. So uh, with all of that in mind, with all of that in consideration, what would be some tips or strategies or action items uh, that our listeners could maybe uh, benefit from or maybe even deploy in the last, let's say, 90 days of 2019? So one of the things that really surprised me, I just assumed business owners understood business, that they knew how to read their financial spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. that they understood all of that. And the reality is, is they don't. And I think when you're looking at someone who's doing side gigs, I think it's even more so that either they're looking at an hourly wage or, you know, I get paid X to do Y. Mm -hmm. Or they're looking at, oh, I sold something on my Etsy shop, but are you really looking at the numbers? Do you know how much money and how much time as well is going into what you're doing? And the easiest way to look at this is, are you running a side business or a side hobby? Because if it's a hobby, it's not profitable. You're doing it because you love it and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're running a side business with the intent of making money, 
then I think you need to look at what's going into your side business as far as what do you have to pay for to be in the side business and how much time are you devoting to your side business and then what does your real hourly rate come out to for the effort you put in and then as you know your hourly rates you can look at things and say what activities or what customers pay me the best and then it's a question of do i pivot to serve them and that market more so that I can make more money for the time I spend. But I think you need to be intentional about that up front. I think we can get very lost in the hustle and bustle of just being busy. A lot of times people are not equipped to dig into the numbers or they feel intimidated by it or maybe they don't have the right expertise or that it's just this big hairy monster that is holding them back from actually examining their side gig. So what would be your advice for someone who's just like a little bit tentative? Like maybe they, they want it to be a side business. It's not a side hobby and they really want to maybe take it to the next level or maybe set themselves up to eventually pivot and make this into a uh, full on you know, full-time business, what would be your, your advice to those folks? So I think the easiest thing is first and foremost, sep- set up a separate account. It doesn't have to be a business account. You can set up a personal account, but just set up a separate bank account so that all your expenses and all your income go into that account because then you have one place to see everything. Now, if you're an Uber driver, you may not get the full effect of of your total expenses because unless you buy the car out of that account, you're kind of using an asset that you have and you're wearing it out, but you're not properly tracking for that. Right. So it, it does have its limitations. But if you're on Etsy, you know, all the materials that you buy, all the fees that you pay to Etsy, have them all come and go from one account so that everything is there. And then you'll know, do I have to keep putting money in the account or am I taking money out of the account? Because that will tell you up front whether or not you're profitable or not. The Sidekick Central podcast is powered by Drive It Away, the only rental car company built around rideshare drivers so that you can rent to own your vehicle. Visit driveitaway.com for more details. Um, I want to talk more about what you're talking about when you say sales minus profit equals expenses. Because usually, I know that I've heard over and over again that sales minus expenses equals profit, um, but you kind of flip it around a little bit and kind of go into explaining this a little bit further, kind of that uh, that profitability model or equation, I should say. So I have recently joined with Profit First, Um, And I have a new site. It's Profit Comes First. And again, that started out as a side business, just like many of your people. And now Mm -hmm. it's my my full time thing. And basically, it's just it's flipping the equation from sales minus expenses equals profit, which means profit comes last to sales minus profit equals expenses. So by taking your profit first, you know you're profitable. And now you have to figure out how to keep your expenses low enough that you're able to do that. And so it puts a lot more focus on controlling expenses. Entrepreneurs have a tendency of ignoring that whole side of the the equation. 
people with side businesses, you know, you ignore all the costs that go into it. You're just looking at the revenue coming out. So when you flip the equation, you really get focused on how much money am I actually spending to bring in this revenue and how do I put it, it make it as small as possible. And, and that's the key. I think it, it not only is that spot on, but also too when you look at some of these tech companies in Silicon Valley, they're they're not looking at their expense. None of them are profitable either. So I think it's kind of interesting. Even public companies even um, are not even really looking into their uh, their expenses. But I love I, and I don't yeah. I don't even know that Uber's profitable. No, they're not. <laughs> Neither, how do you, neither how is Lyft. Do you have, well, and that's a question because I know they take a large percentage of the driver's cut. Of, they do. Of the sale. They do. So they're taking this massive cut. They don't have to provide the car. They don't have to provide the work. It's basically software. And yet somehow they can't figure out how to be profitable. Uh, yeah, it's a whole thing, Rocky. It's 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 a whole mess. And then the the latest thing now out of out of Uber's mouth is, well, we're our core business is not focused on drivers. Our our core businesses were a technology platform. I'm like, "Okay, well, if you had no drivers, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have a business." So, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, shenanigans happening. It's very uh, as they say frothy at the moment, but I think the whole uh, WeWork, uh, I don't know if you've been following uh, their IPO or it's, I don't know, it, it, it's, again, it's not following your your equation here. They're not taking into account the sales minus profit equals expenses. Like, it, they're, they're just completely bypassing it. So, um, if it's any comfort to the, the side, side gig workers out there, uh, these big, gigantic companies with tons of venture capital money behind them uh, are ignoring it, too. So, there you have it. Um, you're also an en- enrolled agent at the IRS, and I know you have a ton of knowledge on this on this topic. And uh, a lot of our listeners are going to be getting that infamous Form 1099 in the mail uh, next February, March. So, give me your best piece of advice for independent contractors. And this could again run the gamut of. Uh, talking about expenses or how to file quarterly taxes, like tell me what you would number one thing you would say to an independent contractor. So I think one of the biggest things is, and we've talked about it, is keeping track of your expenses and knowing what they are. And it's not so much just so you can figure out your profit. A big part of that is when it comes time to do your taxes. All your expenses go against your sales. And so if you aren't keeping track of it, literally every receipt you miss could easily cost you 30 cents on the dollar because that's what you have to pay between self-employment taxes and you're paying both sides of them as an independent contractor many times. So that's 17, 18%. Your state taxes, if you have local taxes, and then whatever your federal tax rate is. I remember there was a time when early on when we were doing the side business of tax returns and it came to the point where literally 51 cents of every dollar was going to the government. Wow. And so if I don't keep track of my expenses, I'm giving half my money away to a silent partner who does nothing but take it all. (laughs) And so (laughs) 
having systems in place and really keeping track of every expense and also just trying to figure out, you know, if you're a Lyft driver or an Uber driver, you have a phone. Well, are you billing the phone to that as well? What are the things that are associated with your work that you can bill to your work? If you have an Etsy shop, you need internet. How are you billing your internet and how are you deducting that from your expenses as well. So just being very clear, there's a million IRS rules. So I'm not going to give you tax advice because no. I don't know your specific situation. <laughs> right, right. Including home offices. There's a million rules on that. So you have to make sure that you follow the rules, but you are entitled and they expect you. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people get very hesitant sometimes to write stuff off against their expenses because they're afraid. It, don't be afraid, but do things appropriately. And you are expected to write your business expenses off against your 1099 income. So make sure that you're doing that and keep track of it. And that's why it comes back to what we talked about earlier. If you have a separate bank account and you're using a separate credit card, you won't miss them because they're all in one place. So even if you forget something, it's still there. Come April of next year, I'm not going to remember what I did in January of this year. I barely remember what I had for <laughs> breakfast yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. Just this friendly reminder, again, as we kind of get into the the last uh, the last quarter of the year here is just a nice uh, just a nice little tune up, little financial tune up for you. I absolutely love this one thing that you said, and it is leap with a parachute. Can you talk to me about what this means and how others out there managing a side gig can benefit from from leaping with a parachute? So I think side gigs, by their very definition, are leaping with a parachute because you're not taking an unusually big risk, right? You still have your main income source. And so leaping with a parachute is trying things, going out and putting yourself out there, but not doing it in such a way that if you made this leap, everything could crash and burn around you. I, you know, I have a family, many of your listeners may have families, mortgages, kids, you don't want to do something that can cause you essentially to implode. And starting out a business takes time. For most businesses, it usually takes three years to get traction to become profitable. And most businesses don't plan for that three-year runway. They, they think they're going to make money tomorrow or in three months. And if you don't do that, there is a ton of mental stress from the lack of money or just thinking you're a failure and you're not. It just, it takes time to build a reputation. It takes time to do things. And I think a side gig is a great way to do that. It allows you to test things out, try things out while you still have the safety of a paycheck. And it gives you the cash to keep you going while you're getting started. Absolutely. And I think along the same lines is not taking out big loans that you can't afford to pay for something that may not work out. So I think the side gig is that perfect leap with a parachute to go out and explore. What is it that you're great at that you can get rewarded for without having to make that terrifying jump? 
Absolutely. And I am a huge, huge advocate of not borrowing any money to start a side gig. I was saying on uh, a previous episode that I did, uh, my question to myself was, what would I never do when starting a side gig? And my answer was borrow money (laughs) to start a side gig. I said, I don't care if you need to collect the pennies from your piggy bank. You are, again, 100% self-funded, to your point, exploring what you potentially want to maybe do down the line. And it takes time. You said the absolute key here is it takes time. It's not an overnight thing. It's just constantly chipping away at it. And um, you just validated everything I just said in that last podcast. So thank you, Rocky. (laughs) It was great. You're welcome. You know what? And it's true. When you look at overnight successes, what you don't look at is the 10 years of struggle behind it until you hear the backstory. (laughs) Amen. most, Most overnight successes have 10 years of backstory of struggle. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it all starts with figuring out the way to proceed in a in a smart way, but that fallback of the paycheck. Like, I will tell you right now, I, I still have my full-time job. I aspire to have a really fantastic podcast, and because, Rocky, you are on it, that means I am on the trajectory upward, but I, in the meantime, as I'm building, like you said, the reputation, doing the work, you know, getting it done. I still have my paycheck every two weeks. Very last segment, this is actually the new segment called Never Would I Ever, where I ask every guest to fill in the blank of this one sentence as it relates to their field of expertise And Rocky, of course, your expertise is all things financial wizardry. And I want to ask you the question, when it comes to my finances, never would I ever. And and we essentially talked about this is to borrow more than I could afford to pay back. And debt is a noose. And we haven't talked about compound interest, the compound interest curve or just a compounding curve. You know, the compounding curve is you keep taking small steps or you invest money and it grows slowly. But over time, and in time is a very long thing, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, all of a sudden that curve just makes a a massive shift upwards and things just explode to the upside. And that's like the 10 years back, right? You do 10 years of work and then things explode. Well, it works in reverse. You keep getting into debt and that curve goes the opposite way. And I think a lot of people, they don't get in trouble because of one big thing. They get in trouble because they keep taking out loans they can't afford or continually to get themselves into debt situations until one day the curve really bends and it crushes you. So I, I'm not against debt, but you've got to be very, very careful with how you take it out. And coming back to leaping with a parachute, make sure you can afford to pay it if everything goes wrong. 100% Rocky. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's again, nice, friendly reminder of what are we spending our money on? What are our, what are our expenses? And, and, 
again, looking at our, our money mindset and figuring out the ways that we can start a profitable side gig. And I think all of the things that we talked about today are are completely relevant for for side gig entrepreneurs and and being able to to maybe take that next step or stay in that in that cushy 9 to 5 paycheck and maybe it is a side hobby maybe it, maybe it's not meant to be scaled up to a full on business but but whatever that is you're still being mindful of your expenses you're still being mindful of your finances and um, I again couldn't agree with more with you, Rocky. I we, we share a lot of the same viewpoints. So um, again, thank you so much for your time and wisdom. I know the listeners out there are also very thankful for it as well. Um, can you tell us where we can find you on the internet? What's your favorite social media platform? Just tell us all of the things we need to know in case uh, someone wants to reach out. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's been most enjoyable. The main place where the podcast is and where I have a few blog posts is Richer Soul, and it's richersoul.com. And if you're listening to podcasts, you can also find it on your podcast player. I do have a Facebook group for Richer Soul and a Facebook page. That's probably the best way to interact and ask questions. And then I have the new site, which is Profit Comes First, and that's more for the small business owner. So once you've kind of established yourself and you've got revenue coming in and now you want to put systems into place to make sure that you're highly profitable as you scale and grow, Profit Comes First is the best place to find me for that. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rocky. I highly recommend all of our listeners to go check out the Richer Soul podcast. I'm definitely a subscriber. I'm a listener. So highly recommend that you check that out today. So Rocky, thank you so much again for your time. I wish we could play the Rocky music outro, but I do not want to infringe on copyright. So I will sing it for you. No, I won't. I won't sing it for you. (laughs) But uh, Rocky, thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun and I will I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blast. Thanks so much for listening to the Side Gig Central podcast. You can dive into the show notes for this episode and for all past episodes at SideGeekCentral.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll talk to you very soon. And by the way, keep up that side hustle because it looks good on you.